Welcome back to Focus. I'm Ron Sisko, and I know it's been a while, but here we are. We'll get to it. As I usually pick the conversation topics based on my experiences lately, I'll say that what what I've been doing lately is is visiting people if I can. I've really been concentrating on uh, on the competition shooting. That's really important to me. So I've spent a lot of time working on that. I feel like I actually feel like I leveled up. It's it's weird, but I like I felt I was practicing and uh, and concentrating on some technique things, and I just felt like I had an epiphany about my form, and and uh, I actually took it to a match on Saturday. And while the match that I went to on Saturday wasn't supremely competitive, I had a lot of fun. There were some great people there, and I I shot really well. I sh- I shot really well, and that's uh, that's what I look forward to. But. One of the things that kind of crept up on me is is that we, we, you know, I try to spend time with people. Now that I'm out on the road, I get the chance to meet these people that have been just digital avatars to me. On Twitch or on Twitter or on Facebook, you know, people that maybe I know peripherally, maybe I know them directly. These are people that don't exist on my day-to-day life. So I get the, the opportunity to, to connect with them face-to-face, and it's wonderful. I drove very recently from where I'm staying to Houston. It's about a three-hour ride on a motorcycle. And to be honest with you, three hours isn't a lot of time. But it is a lot of time, well, on, on a motorcycle, it's debatable, but it is it's definitely a lot of time when it's 30, 34 degrees, which is how cold it was when I started my ride on on that on Wednesday. And, uh, and when I ended my ride, I spent about two hours at uh, close to 24 degrees, which which is cold. It's a cold day in Texas, but, but it's also wintertime. You can't be upset. The fact that I could ride and, uh, and not die of hypothermia is maybe a minor miracle. You set yourself up differently on a motorcycle. I, I think back to all the times that I've driven long distances in a car. Usually speaking, you, you, you just kind of prepare yourself for how you know that you're going to need to ride. I know that in order to stay awake, I'm going to need uh, caffeine. I don't drink a lot of caffeine on a day-to-day basis, but but in order to do a long-distance drive, I I take some caffeine just in case, just in case it makes a difference. And then something to chew on. Uh, I've kind of gotten wiser in my years to stop eating so much crap. I still eat a lot of crap, but uh, but I'll stand I'll stick to um, you know dried fruit or or something along those lines, something a little healthier, nuts uh, than Doritos and M and M's and things like that that I've eaten in the past. Sometimes it's helpful to have company. Sometimes it's not. It depends on the drive and it depends on the company, I suppose. Especially if your company has a different bladder schedule than yours. Uh, it can get a little infuriating for one or, or, or both of you. And then music. Music is definitely a big part of that. Generally speaking, my driving music is some sort of David Bowie compilation or all of the albums or, or something along those lines. Although I do find some solace in... in uh, well, Simon and Garfunkel is, I think, good driving music. Uh, I, I need something with lyrics. I personally need something with lyrics. I don't, I don't think it's stimulating if, if there's nothing to, to connect to there. With the right combination of company, snacks, music, and, and just, I guess, a general mood, I could drive 20 hours in a car. And it's so weird because when you drive in a car, um, there's, a, there's definitely a carelessness that comes with driving for long periods of time. You know you're going to get tired. You know that you shouldn't drive for more than probably eight hours at a time. You, I'm sure you're going to say, well, you know, I can drive 12 hours without getting tired. No, eight hours is probably where you should be stopping. A, a reasonable person would stop. Maybe before that. Maybe I'm wrong. 
but but there's there's a, a limitation that we break through in order to get whatever driving we need to get done. There's a there's a, a, a concerted safety effort that comes along with pe- making driving safe that that allows you to go past those limitations, maybe unsafely, definitely unsafely. How much of that drive are you spending with only one hand on the wheel? How many times have the, during that drive do you do you just kind of wander off in thought, not thinking about the road in front of you? And how many times during that drive have you found yourself closing your eyes for just a second longer than you thought you were? You shake your head, you blink a little bit harder just to, to kind of wake up the brain again, and uh, you breathe through your nose a couple more times. Try to wake up your nervous system, and then you keep driving. I would say on the top end of things, I could probably ride my motorcycle for about four to five hours uninterrupted. Uh, At the the top end, four to five hours. And then I would need to take a break of maybe an hour um, before getting back on the road. Maybe to eat something, um, maybe maybe to, uh, to, well, definitely to take a bathroom break, definitely to refuel. I only have four and a half gallons in that thing. But but there's there's definitely a hard limit where the discomfort of my body says we need to change the pace. I could drive 20 hours, not straight. I could definitely take eight hours or so before having to worry about biological considerations like food or waste. But, but, but driving a long distance is you're in a cage, you have four wheels on the ground, and you're comfortable. Hopefully, hopefully you're comfortable. If you drive a Honda Civic, you might not be. I, I swear that that seat was designed to not be comfortable. And that's not to say that I'm not spoiled by the amenities on my bike. I have cruise control. I spend quite a bit of time on the road uh, with only one hand on the bars because it, it's good to stretch. And uh, and if you don't stretch, if you don't find some way to stretch to be more comfortable, uh, you'll uh, well, I'll end up with one of my hips popping out. That, that happens. I, uh, I put my ankle out the other day because my boots were laced up too tight. Um, these these are all things that that they're they differ from the uh, the driving experience. I don't I don't get on my bike without a helmet and an armored jacket and gloves and boots. I I have riding jeans that I wear sometimes and then sometimes when I'm feeling a little frisky, I don't wear those and I'll just wear a regular pair of jeans. And that's there's a uniform to riding. It takes me extra time to get ready to ride versus when you get in the car and you just you just put your shoes on and you get in the car. Everything in riding is so deliberate. And I'm not saying that, you know, I'm better than you and I am. No, I'm, I'm not saying that I'm better than you because I ride a motorcycle. Maybe you ride a motorcycle. Maybe you don't. Maybe you're scared of them. I was too. Uh, but it's free. It, it feels like flying. It's, it's something that I love deeply. And, uh, and as I'd just gotten behind the wheel of a car last weekend for the first time in months i mean even though we drive an rv getting behind the wheel of a car is a very different experience entirely but it was my first time in months driving a car and i didn't know how to do it anymore it's it's foreign to me so that's that's my experience no longer is a car something i miss it's something i've left behind but in riding to houston and then from houston on Wednesday, on that very cold Wednesday, uh, it's it's weird because it was cold on the morning and at night, but it, during the day it was lovely in seventy degrees. During the six hours that I spent riding, 
I was uh, I was fairly uncomfortable. And um, when you're on a bike, when you're in traffic, when you're with other cars on the road, you spend all of your time worrying about what the other cars are going to do to you. I mean, on top of the considerations that you have to have for the road, on top of watching every bump of the road to make sure that there isn't something that's going to end your life, on top of making sure that any construction weirdness that's torn up the road isn't going to throw your, your bike off the track and send you into the car next to you, you have to worry about what the other people in cars are going to do to you. Now I'm going to say something here, and it, I, it's going to sound ungrateful because uh, people in Texas have been absolutely wonderful, very welcoming for the most part. There's, I mean, racism, racism exists and all that is what it is, but, but for the most part, the people in Texas have been exceedingly friendly. They bend over backwards to, to, to just be nice, and, and they all want to talk, and they all are very curious and... Well, not that all of them, but, you know, so many of them are very curious and, and, and so so interested in your life. At no point have I been able to refuel my motorcycle without somebody shouting at me across the, the gas station because it's usually 50 degrees or, or less when I'm filling up. Hey, ain't it cold out here? Well, yeah, a little bit, but, you know, this is my car now. So this is what I do. Uh, on that On that six-hour ride... It's exhausting. It's exhausting to ride versus being in a car. Because you spend your time worrying about whether or not you're being seen. And my heat just turned on, so now you get a peek into my start and stop editing technique. No, you, you spend your time worrying about whether or not you're being seen. And at night, I actually feel more comfortable on my bike because I have an astounding array of obnoxious LED lights that, that trail me and precede me. They're, they're obnoxiously bright, but they, they keep me safe. My headlight, um, my headlight is unique and it's unmistakable. So I don't worry about somebody. Well, I do worry about it, but I, I can feel more confident that somebody isn't going to just turn out in front of me because it's, it's a weird looking headlight. It's a weird looking shape. And now my fog lights are in a weird place and everything just... Everything is designed to, to say to a driver on the other side, Hey, I'm different. Please watch out. So these are the weird thoughts that I have coursing through my head when I'm driving. Um, because it's not, it's not enough to drive and listen to music or, or drive, listen to music and talk to my wife. Uh, because we have uh, heads, headset communicators. But it's, but it's also a, a kind of a weird lesson that I, th I felt like I had encountered on the road. When you're part of the pack, when you're, when you're driving in a car or a truck or an SUV, you don't worry about being seen because you're part of that crowd. You don't worry about how other people are going to treat you on the road. You know that there are going to be jerks, but you drive with confidence that as part of that pack, as part of that commu community that you have an accepted level of safety. You don't get in your car thinking that this is possibly the last time I'm going to get in the car. You're not driving down the highway wondering if you're going to disappear from someone's view. You know that this is your place and that this protective cage is, is what's going to keep you there. 
one of the YouTubers that I, I watch about motorcycling because when I got into it, I studied hard. Uh, when I when I said I was going to buy a motorcycle back in, um, I think February we made that decision. I, I studied hard and I, I watched everything I could about riding. Uh, I watched the thousands of accident videos, uh, some of them not so pleasant, and uh, and I wanted to know what what was it that was the difference between someone who came home and someone who didn't, because I didn't want to um, I didn't want to go out with the misconception that that it was that it was safer that I'd be good at it. I wanted to I wanted to understand that this was so supremely dangerous compared to riding a car. Excuse me, driving a car. And I know I'm, I'm acutely aware of the fact that every time I get on my bike, that I, I take my life into my own hands, and I often have my wife's life in, in my hands. And it was important for me to understand that when I made that decision, that I would, I would, I would try and find everything I could about how to be a good citizen, be a good representative of that community, but also be a safe one and be able to look out for myself. Over the course of the months, only months, I've spent riding a motorcycle since March, the end of March when we picked it up. I've seen, uh, I've seen the coldest I've seen was negative 10 degrees on the bike. And uh, I've ridden, ridden in snow and on ice because I wanted to know how. I wanted to crash if I was going to, and I did a couple times. I wanted to understand what the the penalties were for for being wrong and I put myself in maybe more harm's way than I should have knowing that those experiences would teach me more than worrying about what those experience, experiences would be like afterwards I took class I um, I got certified I have, I have the little M on my, my license and uh, and I'm proud of that and I, I love, I love riding. I've, I've grown to love it, even though it's something that I fear, even though it's something that I know that every time I throw my leg over my bike, that there is a fear in what I do, that it is a calculated risk. I feel free. And it's crazy to me because I used to love driving. I used to love being part of that pack. I had um, a sports car. It's, you know, it's a WRX. I've talked about it before. I, I loved driving that thing. And I, I loved that thing. I, I, I still do in my heart. I, I still love that car. But I never felt free in it. I felt contained. Yeah, and it's not just because it's in a cage, but, but by the capabilities of the car. I had spent time driving. I had spent time in classes. I'd, I've taken quite a few driving classes. And, uh, and I probably drive better than... 85 to 90 percent of people out there that's not to say that there aren't people who do drive better than me because there are plenty but i have i have seen a lot of people who drive horribly and they should know better and i know that the risk that comes with throwing my leg over that motorcycle and and doing anything is mostly the risk that someone else on the road isn't going to see me or is going to make the wrong determination about what to do or won't understand how to handle me on the road and I make adjustments to my riding style in order to accommodate those people the things that I would have liked to see when I was driving from motorcyclists I weave a little in my lane 
um, especially if if there's a lot of traffic during the day. Uh, I will switch between lane position one and three. I know they don't recommend that you do that, but I do it quite a bit because I want you to see my headlights somewhere. And it's it's weird because all of the precautions that I take in order to prevent from being killed by careless drivers, those that onus is on me. Isn't that crazy? Uh, and I see the same thing in the bicycle community. Uh, although year over year from 2017 to 2018, motorcycle deaths had decreased. Uh, bicycle deaths had increased and so had hostility towards bicyclists which is something that blows my mind they're the victims here and people are like well i don't know if they were wearing enough lights maybe they weren't riding safely it's like no you you hit someone with a with your car which has lights on it you know you you have to be careful you have to watch you have to stop ma messing with your cell phone I can't, I can't remember the name of the city uh, off Spring Branch, I think it was in Spring Branch, Branch Texas. I was um, going to uh, the, the grocery store there and a woman, I, I made eye contact with her. I, 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 I know that you're not supposed to um, determine like whether or not a driver is paying attention to you based on whether or not you think you have eye contact with her with them um, but she was driving a, a large SUV I think it was a, a Suburban I think um, and my visor was up and my I, I like I didn't have sunglasses on because I was stopped to make a left turn and it was my turn to make a left turn I had a protective left turn and I, I moved out to make my left turn and she tried to pull into me she tried to hit me. We were looking at each other eye to eye. And it just, it was incredible to me that even, even with all the things that I do, even with the ridiculous red, gigantic red helmet that I wear, even with the, the big white and black contrast jacket, even with the ugly, it, I, I love my bike, but it's ugly. Even with the giant, ugly red and gray motorcycle that I ride that she still didn't put two and two together. And that's the kind of thing that I have to compete with. So it was a strange lesson that I learned um, on the way back from Houston. Suffering. I would say I was suffering. It was cold. When I, when I got back home, I'm gonna, yeah, it, it's weird to say home and not refer to a specific place, but to be in a place, if that makes sense. When I got back home, I'm pretty sure my body temperature was a couple degrees low. And that seems dramatic, but but it took me a while to warm up and I'm I'm a, a heater. I I'm not the type of person who who just, you know, sits around and complains about how cold they are. I I spend all of my time being too warm. At night, I'm the one who has to sleep with the covers off, even if it's, you know, 60 degrees in in our RV. I'm still kicking the covers off and uh, and trying to cool off. And when I came home, I was I was so cold to my core, to my core. I wrapped myself in the covers. I went to bed immediately. I wrapped myself in the covers, and uh, and I just tried to sleep, and I couldn't because I was so cold. So the strangest thing about this lesson for me was that 
regardless of that that trouble regardless of of all of the the pain that i put myself through regardless of the um i think i'm on my sixth or seventh time crashing the bike uh learning lessons uh dipping down too low being careless about the terrain my first crash i, I it wasn't even a mile uh, I didn't realize that you really need to pay attention to what your tires are on, and I was on gravel, and uh, and and it was just it was just it wasn't even like I was I went on a gravel road. I was there was just some gravel on a road, and when I tried to accelerate, the whole tire just slipped out, and I uh, I crashed, and the la- bike landed on me, and I w- my left leg was bruised up from that. It was painful, and it was a heavy bike. That bike was uh, probably about six hundred pounds. That that decision to continue, not knowing what I was getting into, knowing that every time I get on the bike, not only is my life in my hands, it's in your hands. Knowing that, despite the fact that if something were to happen to me, someone would immediately question whether or not I was the victim, I still love it. There's a sense of freedom in being myself, in a way. There's, there's something that I've never found in driving a car. And I loved driving. I love, I love the travel. There's, it's an expression. It's, I don't know how to ex- describe it. It's, it. Because for a lot of people, that's not going to make a lot of sense. But for, for some of you out there who love driving or love riding a motorcycle or love riding a, a bicycle... Or whatever it is that you, you, you find connected to travel. I feel an expression. There's, there's artistry in it. Something I'm not good at yet. Something that I would like to improve on. But it's something that, that feels like it completes me. And so... I was left with only the lesson that you are who you are and no matter how safe it is to be a part of everyone else, you should chase what completes you. I want to thank you so much for listening. Focus is a Patreon-supported podcast and yada, yada, yada. It, it, it is, and I, I thank so much uh, my supporters. I'm just not very good at ending these things anymore because it has been a little while. Um, we've been moving around down here in Texas, and I've really been focusing on the, the competition shooting, which is going very well. It's, it's, I couldn't be prouder of myself. Well, that's not true. I could be prouder of myself if I were doing better than I am, but I'm very proud of the amount of work and the amount of uh, improvement that I've made over the last I would say thousand rounds or so. It's it's been a pleasure and an honor to be doing this podcast. Uh, it hasn't quite been a year yet, but I know that there are some of my friends who are listening, and some people out there who are not my friends yet, who are listening. and And I want to thank you so much for being here, and so also to my Patreon subscribers. Subscribers? I don't know how that works. Anastasia Beaverhouse and Vigilante, the White Prince, Enrique Ramos. Thank you so much for your contributions. It, it really helps because that, what what you've put together for me this last year, 
uh, is another year of that website being online so I can continue to host this podcast. And that means the world to me. I really appreciate you. Oh, it's hard to say what, what's going back on here. Uh, I thought my schedule would be so much more together. It's currently Christmas Eve. It's Christmas Eve. And uh, time is flying, isn't it? So hopefully we'll get back on schedule here. I'm going to keep up with the double posting for now. And, uh, and then hopefully we'll get caught back up. And then, and then we'll see what happens in season three, right? Thanks again for listening. I'll see you when the plot requires it. Until next time, be excellent to each other.